now, Matt Wright. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. I am Matt Wright, and together you and I are going to be traversing the muddied waters of freedom. How is everybody doing tonight? Hope you are having a fantastic, it's it's All Hallows Eve. It's, it's, it, it is the night in which we let our freak flags fly, and apparently I don't have any because look at me, I'm just dressed in the exact same thing I'm wearing every other time that you guys see me. Um, Hope everybody out there is having a very fun, safe, happy, healthy uh, Halloween. Um, and tomorrow we get to hang out with all of the ghosts of our loved ones, I guess, or something along those lines. Now, um, <clears throat> so, uh, hope you all had a great weekend. I've been, you know, you guys have been kind of getting a much closer view into my personal life recently as I've been opening up about a lot of different stuff. Um and, you know, uh, if you follow my personal account on Twitter, you may have had some questions about some stuff that I posted. Uh, and so I'm going to uh, address those here. And I said, if you, the tweet said, if you've been sober for nine plus years, what would be the first drink you would have upon coming back? Now, this was just something that was kind of brought up because somebody asked me, what, what would your first drink be? What would your first drink be if you were to drink? And that was an easy answer for me. I know exactly what it would be. There's a local brewery here called Cycle Brewery, and um, they have a they have a coffee porter called Cream and Sugar, please. And uh, that is the one thing that I have truly missed about drinking. Um, that's the one thing that I've truly missed about drinking is the Cream and Sugar, please from cycle brewery and uh should i ever decide to start drinking again that is a hundred percent the first drink i will have uh is that assuming that they're still brewing it it's been you know nearly 10 years since i've last been there um and you know it's sobriety is a very you know it, it's a personal thing for everybody that is going through it everybody that's dealing with it and yeah, I haven't had a drink in over nine years. And I've been, and in that time period, I have gone through some stuff. Um, I've been going through a ton of stuff, especially recently. And I don't really know. I don't really know what the purpose is anymore. I understand what it was when I first started. I felt like I wasn't meeting a higher class of people. I felt like, you know, my life had no meaning. I had no direction. And uh, the one thing that was probably holding me back was the alcohol. Um, but I can pretty much easily say that me not drinking hasn't led me to a higher class of people. In fact, I would say roughly it has probably uh, led me to a lower class of people in many ways. So... I can't really say that it has bettered my life in any real way than, you know, I'm probably slightly healthier. Um, so it is something that I have considered and I've thought about, and it's something that I don't want to just, you know, do because, you know, I'm going through a crap time in my life or anything like that. So it's something that I am considering. And when I decide, if I decide to do it, it is something that is going to be my choice and something that, 
uh, I am doing because it's something that I want to do, not something because I am sad or because I'm having a rough day. It is going to be something because it is something that I want to do for myself and because I'm going to be celebrating in some way, shape or form. Um, so it is, it is something that uh, I am definitely thinking about and I am considering, but at the same time, I don't know if it is something that I will end up doing. Uh, if you have any questions about it, feel free to ask, feel free to hit me up. Uh, you, it has been a very difficult time trying to figure out everything. And, um, you know, in the, at the end of the day, we have to figure out if we're still happy. And I haven't been happy for a long time. And I'm not saying alcohol is going to make me happy, but, you know, I might be able to trick myself if that's what the road that I decide to take. So anyway, uh, let's get into it, everybody. It is time for the Mudwater Mushroom Coffee Cacao Rapid Fire segment brought to you by Mudwater. Uh, Mudwater is a coffee alternative that is made with cacao, chai, I don't have the graphic up right now and I don't remember everything that's in it uh, and other stuff. It's all healthy. It's all good for you. It's stuff that's um, it's good for you to watch or good for you to drink. And uh, it's got one seventh of the caffeine, which means which means that should you decide uh, to make this switch, that you're not going to get that two o'clock crash caffeine crash where you're going to the break room at the office trying to find more coffee, unless you just really like coffee like me. Um, so if you want to make the switch, head on over to muddywaterfreedom.com slash mud today and get your starter pack now. Um, so speaking of addiction and addiction and addiction issues uh scientists in brazil are working on a new vaccine called i have no idea how to say this but i'm going to try to force my way through it uh calicoca 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 uh we're going to go with calicoca and this is going to this is a vaccine that they are going to give you in order to help with cocaine addiction they are coming up with a vaccine for cocaine addiction. Can't tell you how many countless nights I have wasted hoping for that vaccine to never be invented. Um, this vaccine actually works by triggering a patient's immune system uh, to produce antibodies that bind to cocaine molecules in the bloodstream, making them too large to pass through the brain's reward center where the drug normally stimulates high levels of pleasure-inducing dopamine. So that means if you are doing cocaine, you aren't going to get the effects of cocaine. So you would literally be throwing money down the drain. Because you, just, you, you would do it, but you wouldn't get any of the effects of the cocaine. Um, now, the vaccine has so far proven effective in testing on animals, producing significant level of antibodies um, against cocaine in very few side effects. One of the side effects, though, is the inability to feel joy. So that, that is uh, definitely a downside of the cocaine thing. Um, so if this vaccine passes human trial and ends up becoming available, they hope that it will cut down 
on addicts over um cut down on addicts uh who want to fight the addiction um and you know that that'd be great like if you have a crippling cocaine addiction and you're looking for a way to quit and they have this vaccine that cuts it off where you don't get the high anymore you're still gonna have to deal with the physical uh you're still gonna have to deal with the physical uh addiction to it but if you're not getting the pleasure out of it that you were it could become a, probably a lot easier now this is more humane than the other way that they've tried to cut down on addicts uh, anytime the government has attempted. And the most recent one, as we all know, was fentanyl, um, which has definitely cut down on the number of addicts here in America. My own, So my only issue with this vaccine, and there's not really a lot of them, like if somebody wants to take a vaccine or to stop using cocaine, knock yourself out. Um, but my issue is, Let's say that you are a repeat offender and this becomes a part of, this becomes a part of, uh, your, of what the, uh, of your punishment. The judge says, okay, you can go to jail or you take the vaccine. And it suddenly becomes, it's not a choice on whether or not you take the vaccine. It, it's go, it could become very similar to people who had to take the COVID vaccine in order to get out of trouble. And I don't want it to be seen used like that. I don't, I, it, it should remain a choice on whether or not you want to take this vaccine. Um, it should remain a choice on whether or not you want to take this vaccine uh, as opposed to, as opposed to uh, any, anything else. Um, so keep on the, keep, be on the lookout for that. But yeah, absolutely. If they, if, if they do release this vaccine, 100% what is going to happen is it is going to become part of the punishment. And if you get caught for cocaine, even, you know, first time offense, second time offense, third time offense, they're going to make it where you have to take the vaccine if you don't want to get in trouble. When the easier way to handle this is to legalize cocaine, then you get rid of the fentanyl, you kill the cartels, and then you have the vaccine for the people when they want to get help. That would be the best way to handle this. But what do I know? I'm just an idiot on the internet. Um, speaking of idiots on the internet, New Hampshire. Um, uh, New Hampshire, which exceptionally famous for taking slight, uh, slights against the state in stride. Because uh, people who make fun of New Hampshire, New Hampshire does not... New Hampshire gets a little on the petty side when... Uh, you make fun of New Hampshire. Um, and I would never do that. I have their state motto, motto tattooed on me. I would never make fun of New Hampshire. Um, but they have decided to buck the DNC and follow their own state laws. They basically just gave the middle finger to the entire DNC and followed their own state laws and are hosting the first primary election, even though the DNC stated that South Carolina was going to be the state that first hosts the primaries. Um, this is a this is such a stupid pissing match. The DNC decided that they wanted South Carolina to host the first primary because they wanted Biden to start off with a huge win, and they didn't want any sort of any any sort of tinkering around with anything happening that might happen in New Hampshire. But New Hampshire, since it's written into their state law that they have to be first, 
moved theirs ahead of where South Carolina moved theirs so they could remain first in the nation to vote. So the DNC decided we're going to take away your delegates if you do this. So the DNC, so they did, and New Hampshire went, okay, well, Biden's not on the, Biden's not going to be on the uh, ballot, which wouldn't have really mattered because, you know, RFK Jr. left and he's running independent. Um, everybody else is running, you know, third party. Nobody else was running until this week. This week, Friday, Dean Phillips of Minnesota announced that he was going to run for the Democrat nomination for president. If you're thinking, who is Dean Phillips of Minnesota? Welcome to the club. It's like, who is Mike Johnson two weeks ago? Nobody really knows who these people are. What I know about Dean Phillips is that Bill Maher said that he is rooting for Dean Phillips. And the reason he's rooting for Dean Phillips is because Dean Phillips is a lot like Biden, but he's 54. There is literally no other difference between Biden and Dean Phillips. So that's who Dean Phillips is, except now he is going to be able to be on the ballot in New Hampshire in a state where Biden has just made the state mad because he didn't want them to be first. That means Dean Phillips is going to be able to go out and campaign in New Hampshire. Biden is going to have to go for a robust write-in campaign. And there is a chance that the incumbent president is going to lose the first primary in the nation, even though there won't be any electoral votes there, any delegate votes there. Now, this isn't actually, this is not the first time that something like this has happened. LBJ in 1968 uh, was a write-in in New Hampshire who only narrowly defeated uh, Eugene McCarthy. And in 1976, uh, Gerald Ford, um, Gerald Ford and George H.W. Bush in 92, both had to fend off people in New Hampshire, even though they were the incumbents. Um, Truman. Truman also lost New Hampshire, <clears throat> also lost New Hampshire. Nobody who has ended up losing New Hampshire or has had a massive battle in New Hampshire has won re-election. Um, so just something to keep your eye on. I don't think Biden's going to win re-election anyway. It really depends on how many different third parties are out there and the votes get split um, and whether or not Trump's in prison. Uh, who knows on any of this, but... Right now, what we can say is that New Hampshire just gave a massive middle finger to Joe Biden and the DNC because they said, we don't trust you to be the first in the nation. Instead, we want South Carolina. That's a safe bet. And so in order to pay them back, New Hampshire said, screw you. We're going to do it anyway. And you have to do a write-in campaign. Good luck. Um, as we all know, um, <clears throat> Mike Pence was the former vice president Mike Pence was the former vice president of these United States and he decided that he was going to run for president this year and he was going to run a good clean campaign um he was going to run a good clean campaign and he did he ran a good clean campaign i guess uh 
He didn't say anything too off the wall or too weird. Um, he didn't have a fly land on his head. But Mike Pence is a boring guy. Like, he's a boring, boring individual. So anybody that was dumb enough to bet that Mike Pence was going to win the presidency or at least win the GOP nomination really had no idea what they were talking about. But Mike Pence dropped out this week. Um, Mike Pence dropped out this week. And with Mike Pence dropping out, literally nothing has changed. Donald Trump is still running away with this thing. DeSantis is, we are watching him fail in real time. It is absolutely unbelievable to watch somebody fall from the heights of political greatness in the way that he has fallen from the heights of political greatness. Um, he was like the, the, the heir apparent, and you have just watched him stumble and fall from day one on this campaign. Nikki Haley is coming up, and she is going to be getting a lot of boosts with the way that she wants to handle uh, Israel and Hamas. But is that going to carry over? No. The moment that, the moment that they start actually campaigning, um, the moment they start actually campaigning and bringing Trump into it, Trump is going to destroy any of the people that are going after him. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be close. It's not going to be pretty. And um, whoever ends up the nominee is going to be Trump. Um, some people think that Trump's going to end up in jail and he's not going to be allowed to run. I don't believe that to be true. If it is true, I, do, I don't know who I would think would end up with the nomination. Um, who do y'all think would win? Uh, assuming Trump ends up not being able to be president. Who would win? I have no clue. Um, I kind of want to go for the off the wall uh, Tim Scott or something, but I don't. I have no idea who would win the nomination if Trump could not run. Uh, I don't think it would matter. I think the Democrats. I think the Democrats would win because so many people would write Trump in. Um, and also Larry Elder. Uh, dropped out. And that was more surprising to me than Pence dropping out only because I didn't know that Larry Elder was running. The last I heard from Larry Elder was he was running for uh, governor of California in the recall vote against Gavin Newsom and he lost. And Larry Elder will always be remembered as the black face of white supremacy. But now Larry Elder is uh, dropping out and he endorsed Trump. So Trump got a boost of like nine people that would probably have voted for him anyway. Um, the, the House GOP, I, what they are doing, this Mike Johnson guy, um, as we all know, he came in and immediately he was like, okay, let's do an Israel spending bill, which Marjorie Taylor Greene said she wasn't going to vote for it because we have things here we need to we need to fix, which I agree with. I actually agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene about something. Thomas Massey said the same thing. Um, Thomas Massey said there are sanctions in there and we're not going to deal with that. So great. Good for you guys. I appreciate that. Um, I don't think that we should be funding any foreign wars. Uh that we aren't in where we haven't been attacked personally. I don't believe that we should be funding Ukraine. I don't believe that we should be funding Israel. I don't believe we should be funding Hamas. I don't think that any of these people should be taking any taxpayer dollars. That being said, when you offer to fund the Israelis, 
by getting the funding to fund the Israelis, by cutting funds to the IRS, you're toying with my emotion and I don't like it. I do not like it because it makes me go, well, well, you're taking it from the IRS. So that may, you may as well. Um, yeah, so that that's the plan. He uh, Mike Johnson, he wants to send uh 14 billion in aid to Israel by cutting the IRS budget. Now, it is unknown whether or not he's actually going to get this passed through the house. Um because the Republicans have a slim majority, you already know that uh that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Thomas Massey will vote no, but man, when you throw in the cut the IRS that's going to get a lot of people going, well, we're cutting the IRS. Who cares if we're funding a war? Uh, now, a lot of people in the Senate are saying this isn't going to fly, where the Republicans don't have any kind of majority in the Senate. So the, the Senate is saying, no, this isn't going to happen. The uh, Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland, said the, Republic, the House Republican proposal to cut IRS funding to pay for aid to Israel dead on arrival in the Senate. He said it's a non-starter. It's a poison pill. And I, great. It's a poison pill. Let's run it. Let's poison everything. Let's poison the well. Let's get rid of all of it because you people don't understand what is wrong. Um, Senate Republican leaders Mitch McConnell and uh, people like Lindsey Graham and Roger Wicker don't want to break up President Biden's emergency funding request for Israel, Ukraine, and the Indo-Pacific. They want to keep that together for the $110 billion instead of doing it line by line and voting for each one of them separately. Um Wicker, the Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee and a member of McConnell's leadership team, told reporters that it would be the most prudent move to keep the two national security priorities tied together. Uh, he said, I'm open to suggestions, but I think it's important that we do border Ukraine, Israel, and give Taiwan what they need also, all in one package. I think that, yes, you should do them separately instead of doing them all as one package. That way you can find out who supports who, who supports what, and you can try to figure out where people land on that. When you're, if you want to do funding for the border, do funding for the border. If you want to do funding for Ukraine, do funding for Ukraine. Instead of doing a huge omnibus uh, foreign relations package that they are sort of kind of proposing here. Um, Lindsey Graham said, we got national security issues that are all connected up. He actually said that we got national security issues that are all connected up. I'd like to do it all at once. Um, and this is something that they absolutely kind of want to do where they want everything to be all at once. Um, but nobody's coming up with how are we getting the funding? At least the House GOP said, let's take it from the IRS if we're going to do this because the IRS doesn't need that much funding. Let's take it from them and move it over. So. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the absolute brick, smart as a brick press secretary, stated that threatening to undermine American national security unless House Republicans can help the wealthy and big corporations cheat on their taxes, which would increase the deficit, is the definition of backwards. 
Now, I don't know if she knows how deficits work, but if you increase spending, you're going to increase the deficit. The rich are going to continue to cheat on their taxes no matter what. They've got people that can do that for them. They pay them lots of money to figure out the best ways to do it, and uh, they brag about it, sometimes during debates. So this is something that they already know how to do. But when you have people like Bernie Sanders and the rest of the progressives in the Senate who say, for every dollar that we spend on foreign relations, what we need to do is spend the same amount of dollars on domestic problems here at home, that means that now you're going to be increasing the deficit more. So instead of it being the $110 billion package or $115 billion package that Joe Biden wants or the $15 billion package that um, that Mike Johnson has is talking about sending to the Senate, you have to double that number. You have to double that number. So now everything's going to be twice as much because the progressives don't want to pass anything without it being without it being uh, the same amount of money for domestic programs here at home. And this is how you increase deficits, Corrine Jean-Pierre. It's not from cutting funding to the IRS. It's from spending more money without having any way to pay for it. And that is where you are going. Yeah, the, the, the issues that... Um, the, the things that... Uh, the things that Bernie Sanders and the rest of the progressives are going for are things like the rising cost of home sales, which is a problem that was created by the government. The government created a renter's economy with, uh, by backing up companies like BlackRock, where BlackRock can come in, swoop in, buy a bunch of houses uh, for cash, uh, undercutting anybody that or being able to out being able to pay more than anybody else can, paying them cash, which raises the values in a neighborhood outside of where normal people can afford it. And then the government says that they're too big to fail. And now we have a renter's economy. So this was a problem set on by the government. Uh, another thing that they stated was that they, I actually don't have these notes in front of me. Um, another thing that they stated was uh, the rising cost of healthcare, another issue that's created by government. Yes, these are issues that you guys have created. The drug and uh, the 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 drug and opioid epidemic. This was an issue created by government. All of these issues were created by government, and now progressives want any money that is being sent to for, for for spent on foreign to be matched equally to be spent on these issues. The issues that are being done foreign were issues created by government for, in you know foreign lands. The issue of Israel and Hamas, that's an issue of government uh, creating problems. The issue of Taiwan and China, issue of government creating problems, Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia, governments are creating problems. All of this is governments creating problems and we're trying to throw money at everything as governments create more problems. What we need to do is stop letting government create these problems, and we're not going to be able to do that with the people that are in office. All we're going to see is the House is going to put forward a bill. They're eventually going to get something passed. 
They're going to send it to the Senate. The Senate's going to send it back and say, no, we're not going to do this. They're going to threaten shutdown. I think the next shutdown date is November 17th. I think that's the next patchwork date they have to have something done by. They're going to send something to the Senate. The Senate's going to send it back. When the Senate sends it, the House is going to try to patch something together. Mike Johnson is going to understand why Kevin McCarthy always had a headache. And he's going to try to figure out some way to work with the Senate and work with the Democrats to get something passed to send to the Senate to keep the government going. Because in the end, what people realize, the Republicans realize, and the Democrats definitely realize, is that if you end up with a government shutdown, it's going to be blamed on the Republicans. And that is going to carry over into 2024 when you have a slim, slim, slim four-seat majority or whatever, or no, it's a seven-seat majority, in the House of Representatives. And you are down one in the, you're down one in the uh, Senate. You need to win. And they know that if a government shutdown happens, Republicans are going to get blamed. He doesn't want to be the speaker for losing the House of Representatives. So he will end up dealing. He may get kicked out. He probably won't get kicked out, though. I don't think he gets kicked out if he ends up dealing with the Democrats, because I think that was a Kevin McCarthy specific issue. I think Matt Gates just did not like Kevin McCarthy. And so Matt Gates was like, no, screw this guy. I'm getting him out. I don't really care who comes in next because otherwise he would have come in with a plan and Matt Gates didn't come in with a plan. He said, no, we're going to kick this guy out. I'm going to get my name in all the headlines. I'm going to run for governor of Florida next time. And people are going to remember me as the guy who kicked out Kevin McCarthy and fought for the freedom of America. That's how he's going to spin it when he runs for governor next term. Um, but He's going to end up making a deal. They're going to end up doing some patchwork omnibus sort of thing in order to make it work so that way they don't shut down the government. The progressives are going to say, no, we need this added in if we're going to be spending this money here. And this is how you get your omnibus. This is how the hog of Washington gets fed. And this is how everything continues to move. And we, as citizens and as taxpayers, continue to get screwed. This is what happens in... Congress. And this is why it does not matter who it is back, who it is up there. It doesn't matter who's up there because in the end, the same thing is going to happen. People will refuse to sign unless they get their way. So you make the deal that's going to make it so these bills get through. So you can say, you can go back to your constituents to say, I did something. I did something. And you can continue to do that. That is what it is all about. It's about doing just enough to get reelected, which is why Congress has a 15% re approval rating, but a 90% uh, re-election uh, re rating. Think about that. Something with 15% approval rating. Cockroaches and STDs have a higher approval rating than Congress, but 90% of Congress gets reelected. And why? Because these people can always go back to their constituents and say, I did something. And that something was to screw you and to screw your children and to screw your grandchildren over for years to come on, and say that it was in order to help save uh, Israeli babies or Ukrainian babies or if you're a member of the squad, uh, Palestinian babies um, or Taiwanese babies or Chinese babies or whatever. It, that is what they're going to hang it all on. Or if you're Bernie Sanders, it's because, you know, we need to fight off the evil 
the evil corporations that are making it impossible for people to buy homes, which he helped those people make it impossible for us to buy homes. It is a never-ending cycle that doesn't end, and it's not going to be fixed by elections. No matter what, this is never going to get fixed by elections. Um, so the best thing that we can do is to metaphorically burn it all down metaphorically burn it all down because none of it matters and we aren't actually ever going to come out ahead my only hope is that one day uh property values plummet again and i can afford to buy property and you know get away from the cities um dirt racer one one two six great to see you too i don't even know who you are great to see you i'm glad to be back um Thank you all so much. That is the show. The, just me doing these things are so much shorter than they used to be. That's um, because Spike talked too much. Anyway, um, thank you all so much for tuning in. I do appreciate it. I know that I promised you an interview with Yehuda Reamer where we were going to discuss Israel. And that has not come to fruition. And let me tell you why. Yehuda, is, he's doing good work. He's doing really good work out there. Um, he, uh, he is a very busy man, the pew pew Jew. He, he is a very busy man and he has been taking time to train, uh, Jewish Americans on how to use their firearms. So he's been taking them out and doing that. And it's been taking up a ton of his time. Um, so that way they can be, uh, able to defend themselves should the need ever come around that they need that it's something that they need to do um so good on him uh good on him that's all well and good uh but every time that we schedule a time i will say hey can we do it at this time like let's say wednesday uh let's meet wednesday at 8 30 wednesday at 8 30 and he says great wednesday at 8 30 it is but we're in two different time zones and we never state which time zone so then wednesday comes around at 8 30 and i'm like hey I'm ready. And he's like, wait, I thought you meant 8.30 my time. And I'm like, no, I can't do it at 8.30 your time. And so we never have been able to meet up. Uh, hopefully I do get a chance to get him on and meet with him. Um, if you have anybody else that you guys want me to talk to, I would love to talk to anybody. Um, it's weird doing it by myself. Uh, so y'all have a great rest of your week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, uh, leave them in the comments. Leave a little comment down there at the bottom and uh, I will get back to you. Um, it's also weird doing everything just like on one site, everything being on Rumble now. Uh, it's it's almost like starting everything over from the very beginning all over again. Um, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Be safe tonight. I know it's Halloween. Uh, if you drink, don't drive. If you drive, don't drink. And uh, if you have children, the, the, the candy tax is not theft. I wholeheartedly believe that the candy tax is not theft. Uh, you should take all of their Reese's. Yeah, take all of their Reese's. They, are, they have not been old enough to have earned those yet. So uh, have a great rest of your week, and I will see you all next week. Uh, I am Matt Wright. This is Muddy Waters Freedom on Muddy Waters Media. And uh, remember, where we're going, we don't need roads.